Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm Catherine. I'm Joe. And this week's episode is sponsored by the letter M for Mullet Man. Oh my god, it sounds like a real podcast. I know. Real boy. <laughs> Maybe we can do that. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter P for podcast and proud, not penis. Those are always unsolicited. No, thank you. <laughs> You were in the land of the birds. I was in the land of the birds, just doing some calling out to me. J.K. Rowling is trending. Mm. Unsurprising there. In case anyone doesn't know, there was a book that was released today under one of J.K. Rowling's pen names that is receiving backlash as it features a murder or serial killer who dresses in women's clothing and enters women's bathrooms um, to commit murders of females. Um, It has also, I know I phrased that a little bit weird. Um, I think in the book, transvestite was also used, which is an outdated term, Mm. um, and also a derogatory one. So I'm looking at some of the top tweets now for for J.K. Rowling, and you know it's it's a mix between you know severe backlash over cross dressing serial killer book that I put in quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.K. Rowling has made offensive tweets to the trans community before. Um, she has earned the label of turf, and yet there are people on here that are saying having a killer dress up in drag is not a unheard of tale and something that has been done before um so they were just saying you know it's the fact that it's 2020 and it's jk rowling that she's getting all of this this backlash which sure Maybe some of it is the fact that it's 2020, but also the fact that it's JK Rowling and she's getting some of this backlash, uh, yeah, happens to be deserved because if you have a history of being sexist or racist or gender-ist, that's not the right word, or any type of ism in a negative, well, then yeah, this is just another repeated offense and behavior that we're seeing. So like, that's also not uncommon. Like, hey, person, I see your point, but also- you kind of just made your own point in that repeated pattern of behavior, folks. I have a lot to say about this topic, and I'm going to try and <clears throat> I came out strong last episode. I was on, I was feeling myself, and I was feeling extra. <laughs> so I'm going to try and keep my um <clears throat> my words into a place where it's ready, not for confrontation, but maybe discussion. We'll see. You know me in confrontation, or like. Maybe it's what the people are here for. Maybe it's what they're wanting. Maybe they're tired of us kind of, you know, being (laughs) nice or being in polite company. So this is a safe space to rage about something like this. Also, for the record, I love Harry Potter. I'm a huge Potterhead, as they are called. Even one time in grad school, in Halloween, we had a competition about Harry Potter and I won first place. Granted, there wasn't a lot of competition, but... I still won first place and I was super excited about it. So you're also talking to someone who loves the Harry Potter 
community very deeply. Still to this day, we'll read fan fiction about my OTP, One True Pairing. Shout out to all of the fan fiction people there. So again, just saying for the record that it's not like we're people that like viciously hate J.K. Rowling or the Mm -hmm. Harry Potter series. But yeah, maybe we do now viciously hate J.K. Rowling and understand that she has removed herself from the Harry Potter series. So we're talking about a person here, not a magical community. I think the Potterheads have removed J.K. Rowling. And that's something that I know you had talked about before, which is there's no author anymore. It's appeared from the ether. It was this incredible gift. For a lot of people who are outsiders, they found something in the book Mm -hmm. that made them feel good, made them feel strong, made them feel like there's a community. But even in that book, there's some really problematic stuff that is turfy. Yeah. The way that she describes Rita Skeeter, horrible. Mm. Rita Skeeter has a very pronounced jaw, has these very large hands, doesn't quite know how to dress, but it's over feminine and like kind of trying too hard. Always how Rita Skeeter is described. And if you take someone who's a turf and you have them make a caricature of a trans person, mm. they're going to pull out all of the things that they think make them look awkward and uncomfortable the way that Rita Skeeter was described as awkward and, un- and uncomfortable. Gotcha. So it's not new for her to have turfy stuff in her writing. Not saying that we should discount all of Harry Potter. I think there are good things in there. But I think that stuff like that, when I read it when I was younger, I, I didn't see that as being turfy. I, I didn't know that. I thought that it was someone who, I don't know, I guess kind of looks like people in my family where the women are large women. My sister's got these giant hands, you know? Or So I was like, oh, it's people who look like my family. I didn't realize that it was on purpose, perhaps poking fun at a different demographic. But in general, it's you're, you were right by saying it's not new to be able to say, oh, you know, here is a killer, a murderer, serial killer. I don't know. I haven't read the book, so I don't know how many kills there are in what time span. I can't tell you what kind of killer, although (laughs) I do love them. Psycho. Norman Bates. Put on women's clothing, killed women, and it's one of the most iconic tropes when we look back to thrillers and certain characters that have mommy issues. Mm -hmm. mommy issues come in a lot of different bags but (laughs) in his case it was dressing up his mother clothes and saving those saving those bones that's what yes this tweet referenced norman bates saying that cross-dressing again in quotes there uh male serial killers nothing new whether it is in fiction or in reality they listed norman bates buffalo bill hayden clark tex authorell may i pronounce that wrong Sorry there. Yes. So that was kind of them making their point that, you know, people are a little sensitive in this day and age and the year, good Lord's year of 2020. And ooh, the message must be that trans women are bad. I know that the people from the United States are not the people, but looking at the history of bathroom bills in the United States, where you have to go into the bathroom that has the word or picture on the sign that they would associate with whatever sex you have on your birth certificate or in some cases driver's license Mm -hmm. 
and the whole argument for it, I forget whether it was a senator or a representative, but there was one gentleman saying, oh, you know, if all I had to do was say that I felt like a woman that day and I could walk into the women's restroom, what, you know, why wouldn't I have? And the thing is, you don't say that when you're a trans person, you say that when you're a predator. And that exists outside of transness. It does, because to catch a predator... I don't know. I haven't seen a trans person on To Catch a Predator, but I've seen a lot of a specific demographic on To Catch a Predator. <laughs> so I think, I feel like we're fighting the wrong thing here. But that was their whole thing. Like, oh, what's going to happen is we're going to have a whole bunch of trans people. We're going to have these, this is what they're saying. We're going to have these men dressing up as women, going into the women's restrooms and raping them. They had a whole commercial about it that was terrifying. Where it, they were, um, they were at a park, and this little girl went into a public restroom, and you know the the creepy guy rubbing his hands with his long hair looked kind of greasy. Walked in after her, and it was this terrifying commercial where it was like, "This is the future liberals want." No, it's not. I I don't want anyone creepy in the bathroom with me. But I also think that people would those same people find it, I don't want to say hard to believe, but it breaks their brains a little bit when I tell them, you've used a unisex restroom. Catherine, you have. I know you have. Definitely. Why would I even think twice about it? And that's literally all that's being suggested when it comes to bathrooms. I have three in my house. I got three of them in my house. My dad uses them. It's true. I I don't understand that. Why all of a sudden when we're in public, the concept of a bathroom just changes immediately. It's yeah, most people are probably going to grow up with a unisex bathroom. You you share a bathroom with someone who is most likely different than your own gender. Also, yeah, that's a horrifying commercial. And what what is going to stop that person from being a predator even right now? What makes you think that all of a sudden they can just waltz into a bathroom if they so desire? They don't have to do it while wearing a dress. Also, you think someone that's actually that sensitive about bathroom rights and issues and wanting to keep it separate is actually going to put on a dress? <laughs> someone mm-hmm. who identifies as a man and that particular person going to do that? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. In my many years, I have talked to some friends who are trans. So I'm going to try and keep this as vague as possible as to not potentially out anyone. I've talked to friends who were passing or non-passing a trans person as trans. That is not for me to say they are or not trans. Mm -hmm. Passing is someone's decision if they want to. Some people love passing. Some people love when they go out looking clocky. Some people don't. Some people want to on purpose cause confusion, whatever. I want you to be happy in what you're doing. And regardless, I think you're probably going to look great anyway. We've covered that. Catherine, I was lost. Give me my map. Trans people have said to me about bathrooms. Boom. Found it. Back on the map. So happy I could have provided you no guidance at all. (laughs) But you know what? You found your way back. I'm I'm very proud of you. I'm an independent woman. (laughs) Some people who were really pumped to be able to pass, they started passing, they started being able to pass and they were very excited because with their identity, with their humanity, that is what they wanted. They wanted to be able to pass at whatever gender they wanted to perform. 
and whatever gender they are. And they wanted nothing more than to be invisible in public restrooms. They wanted nothing more than to be able to go into a women's restroom and no one bats an eye. They don't want to cause a scene. Yeah. They wanted nothing more than to go to a men's restroom and nobody bats an eye. They don't want to cause a scene because they know as soon as they, as soon as something happens, as soon as anyone clocks them in a bathroom, you are in danger. Yeah. You're in danger. Mm -hmm. And then there are some people that on purpose are like, no, I'm going to fuck with people's heads Mm. and I feel confident enough and comfortable enough to continue to do this and I'll use whatever restroom is my gender. And if I'm gender fluid, then I'll use whatever restroom is the gender that I'm feeling and performing that day. And that's just where I'm going to be. If you are so interested in what people are doing in the bathroom, you need to examine your kinks and consent. Yeah. I'm not that interested in what you do in the bathroom, Catherine. I'm not. For most people, I'm not interested in what you're doing in the bathroom. I want to do what I'm going to do. I want to wash my damn hands and I want to get out of there. And if you are so interested in what people are doing in the bathroom, I think, I think you've got a kink. You could Google some of those and that's okay. I'm not going to kink shame you. It's just not my flavor. Mm-hmm. There's also, and hang on, Catherine, I'll send this to you really quick and then I'll put the link in our show notes as well. There's this article from The Advocate. It's titled, I was recently informed I'm not a transsexual. It came out in June, 2017 and there's a professor who's trans. The class didn't know the professor is trans. Okay. And so when the professor, when they start talking, it's, it's in a gender studies 101 or a gender 101 kind of class. And when they pop off and start having the conversation, long story short, a student said, we don't use that word anymore. And a cis man in the class was like, for real, we don't use that word anymore. We don't use transsexual. Okay. And so I find it really, really interesting and really, honestly, near and dear to my heart and from what we talked about last episode with how quickly words change and how Mm. words that you identify with, their connotation, denotation changes, there are different ways to say things. Am I no longer, so am I no longer a transsexual? Am I now trans? Am I transgender? Um, and this is a really cool article to to just kind of look over, and I think it illustrates that point really well. I know we can't go through all of it right now, but I'll post it in the show notes for everyone because I just think it painted the situation really, really well. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It, And I can understand where it is a lot to kind of keep up with, but that's basically language in general. Um, So language is always adapting. Some items are going to fall out of practice. Some are not going to be commonplace anymore. Some are now going to be politically incorrect for you Mm -hmm. to say and use. But also on the flip side, and I know this happens a lot in the queer community, I just said the word queer. That's also an example of a word that has kind of been reclaimed as well. So it, it is a fine line between you don't know how someone defines and maybe to them that is not a offensive word and a part of how they wish to identify but also some things it seems you can publicly call out and shame and some it seems that's still not cool and I guess we're still trying to figure out and kind of like walk that walk that line like I remember one time in 
or it's actually something that we were kind of talking about in, in work as well. And talking about being anti-racist or being how to train yourself to kind of recognize unconscious bias in yourself and in others. And do people have a preference if they say something that could have been construed as racist in a certain setting? Do you want to call them out there publicly or would they prefer to kind of be taken aside and, you know, you tell them in a more private space? Mm. I see what you're saying. And then is it more important to preserve their safety? Do they want to be called out in private or public or is it more important to protect the person or persons they're potentially harming with that language of those in a room and also setting an example of like hey it's not okay for you to say this anymore um so it is a very delicate line that's there that people are are treading i think that's that goes along with cancel culture i think i am not saying that we should allow everyone in every situation to make amends and be back 100% where they were. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think there are some things that are just that one, there are many things that are not for me to forgive, but even if I'm a part of the community that could help provide absolution, I, I don't know if I always want to remember that thing about yeah. me loving conflict. There's that. But also I, I don't think everyone can or should be absolved myself included. I think there are things where I'm never going to not be the villain for someone. Yeah. But I can grow when I can change and I can do better in the communities that I now occupy or the communities that are around me and do what I can. I think that, for instance, J.K. Rowling, cancel. Stop. I'm done. I'm d- I don't want to give you any of my money. I d- Hermione Granger should have been the main character. Hermione Granger is the reason those dumb boys are even alive in those books okay but outside of this it's true i will back you 100 <laughs> with that but with that there's so much from the books that's good that people took and i want that to continue for them and i it's want true. i just don't want jk rowling to have any more money from it and it bums me out that now there's an entire theme park where i don't want to hold back from kids and by kids I mean even people my own age and I'm no longer a kid unfortunately but I don't want to hold back from people the ability to connect deeply with this thing that they've read that I, whether it changed their lives it allowed them to feel stronger safer bolder smarter to chase their dreams whatever it is I want them to be able to hang out with that I just don't want to give her any more money and I don't know I don't know how to do that. And I don't know that I can separate the art from the artist with her. That is super difficult. And I don't think there is a situation right now where you could mm. separate the the art from the artist. I think a lot of people try to. How many people do you know that, oh, I guess right now is not the time. How many people, when we could go to a club, are still listening to Chris Brown? R. Kelly. Even outside of Chris Brown, because Rihanna was the one who needed to provide whatever absolution, and she said what she said about him, I'm still not comfortable providing money to him. I'm not comfortable with that. Yep. 
But when it comes to R. Kelly and everything that's come out about him and everything that has been coming out about him and all of his victims, and yet people still stream the music, still buy, still use it in so much. Like, I, I guess I, I don't know how to do that. And then I also feel like it shouldn't always be done because just like there are parts of me that are my identity, they make up my identity. It's not just one facet, but it's this whole web of what makes me who I am. I get that like predator isn't a, Catherine, I might need you to walk me through this. Predator isn't a word that you would typically use to describe yourself, but it, if you are a predator, it definitely informs your personality. So it is like a personality trait because your brain works like a predator. Yeah. Your brain works as a turf. And when it does that, it informs all of these other pieces of your identity and all of the things that you're going to consume because of your personality. If they can't separate that from their personality, or if they're unwilling to do the work to heal the communities they've harmed, then should we separate the art from the artist if they're not willing to part with that shitty part of them? Because if they're not willing to part with that shitty part... There's your answer. (laughs) No longer open for discussion. Just uh, straight up no for that one. Feel good about that. Maybe talking through that with you is better. Because I, th- I think if they're not willing to do that work, then what's the point? Then why am I? Why give dollars when I have so few if you don't want to be not shit? I don't pay for shit. This is, this is an awkward attempt at a segue. Um, several minutes ago, you used the word villain. And my mind immediately went to... Kim Possible! Oh, Kim Possible was great. Yes, we can talk. What was her name? Uh, Why do I want to call it Shapiro? It was not Shapiro. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Shigo? What? Shapiro. The- yeah. I'm sorry. Did you- <laughs> Are you talking about Ben Shapiro? I don't like know. Like the political, com- the conservative political commentator, oh. media host. Because if, if we're going to sagoo into villain, I mean, we could go with Ben Shapiro or Shigo. I'm, I just like well, Shigo. What I was attempting to guide us towards was how villains are traditionally queer-coded. Yeah. Or who's been a super big offender of this is Disney. Mm. So we can talk about Scar, Jafar, Ursula probably being the most kind of I guess, well-known example from, like, the Disney world. Mm-hmm. Him from Powerpuff Girls, <gasps> which I know that we've talked about before, but, yeah, definitely. There. Some even say James from Pokemon, part of Team Rocket, and how it's just... <laughs> I, I like the 
train of thought now that's happened in maybe it's just in TikTok or just in like the lesbian community in general. I'm pretty sure it's, you know, kind of like a trope that that exists. Essentially that like, oh, okay, so we are going to queer code the villains to teach children that being gay is bad. And all that it did was just raise a generation of women loving women who are like, she's hot. <laughs> yep. She's got a mouth on her. Yeah. She's mouthy. She's hot. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You have raised generations now on people loving the villain and wanting to see more of the villain and wanting us to just... I remember the last time that I was at Disney World, uh, one of the souvenirs that I bought was from the villain shop which exist. And it's a postcard of all the villains from the Disney movies uh, because they're great. Because you know what? I feel like they've done a little bit, a little bit better in this one, but all of the Maleficent movies that Disney has now like come out with again instead, I'm like, mm, yep, she's a good one. Okay. She's just jumped to the top of my list of yeah. favorite disney villains that also i will mark off as attractive yeah i went to disney and was like i i like the villains this is what i want from disney world for us loving villains is so ingrained in who we are but the queer coding of them goes back forever i mean it looks like from the 1950s and 60s when the U.S. government and a bunch of religious and conservative groups were all of a sudden worried about like, oh, hey, there's this thing now called childhood and adolescence where our kids are, rather than going straight to work with us, they have time to consume their own media, independent of us, potentially. They got really worried about that. The Comics Code Authority arose, banning overt sexuality of any kind from comics. And putting restrictions in the ways in which women could be depicted. Weird. Weird that they would put the both of those together. Shocked. I think that anymore, looking at this through a lens that's not 1950s and 60s, because I'd be already dead. They would have killed me. Looking at it now, I think that queer people, LGBTQIA2 plus people, are so thankful to get any representation that even if it's a villain, a side character, we'll go see it. We're going to go. I don't care if it's the villain. I don't care if it's a side character. If there's a gay it's person, in it, I'm going to go see it. And that's not what straight people do. It's not like straight people are, are all of a sudden like, oh my God, this movie's got a straight couple in it. I got to go. This movie's got a straight best friend. You've got to be kidding me. I'm going to spend all my money. I'll see it twice in theaters. Like, no, they don't have to do that. But because they're burying the gays, we go to anything where we can see any sort of representation. It's true. And it's painful because that's what I definitely fall to that stereotype. If you're telling me a show or a movie is going to have women who love women on the screen, yep, sign me up. I'll watch it. And I'm going to ask you the traditional questions that everyone does of, okay, who dies? And 
is is there mm-hmm. a happy ending? And the amount of times both of those get to be checked off as like yes to the happy ending and like no to the death. A minuscule amount. Mm-hmm. I was taught that being gay ends in sadness. Heartbreak. I was gonna try to rebut, but 2020 has been rough on me. No, so we'll just I take we'll just take a moment of silence <laughs> I, I for that like, one. No, <laughs> Some of like the movies and the TV shows that we grew up with, but I am very happy to see what the youth of today is also growing up with. I say youth of today as if I haven't like watched both of these, but Steven Universe is super good with kind of LGBT. Q plus characters, as well as Legend of Korra. Hey, big shout out. Love the Avatar series. But again, those two things that I referenced, great that it's geared towards a younger audience. Really do genuinely love that. Mm-hmm. But also a little bit more, they are still cartoons, essentially. They are just, they are stylized drawings. Um, and again, I understand that's basically what Disney is, animation. It would just be really nice to also have these as adult movies. And no, I don't mean porn. I literally just mean a movie mm. geared towards grown-ups that also show there can actually be happy endings. I would watch all of those You're saying happy endings in porn in successing sentences as if we're not is that they don't belong together, and I don't... Was it intentional? <laughs> Those two things absolutely belong together. <laughs> was it unintentional? Who knows? Was it unsensational? Perhaps. Um. <laughs> You're right. I, I wish that there were... I wish there was good representation, and I don't mean the whole person's personality is being gay or queer. I don't mean... um queer coding a person that's supposed to be seen as a villain but they're still not queer it's just there's some recognition there they're like yeah that is my personality and half of my friends i don't want someone to die i don't want it to be overcoming their queerness i would love to see more movies about queer people that that just is they just i would love to see a movie about someone breaking up with his girlfriend and healing from that and dating his new boyfriend. And yes, I know that we need more, you know, there would have to be, you know, an actual climax to the movie somewhere. But if that was just something that also happened and it wasn't, that wasn't him learning about himself. He didn't have to overcome all of these feelings to know that. It would just be nice to see someone queer, just like doing queer shit. And also, like, all of the other life things to actually humanize queer people. Because I think that's something that queer coding strips, is it tends to strip the humanity of these people. One of my favorite queer coded villains, who is at the top of the list for me, is from the movie Hercules. Hades? Okay. It's Hades. Hades could fuck me two ways from Tuesday, and I would still ask for more. Oh my god. That... That villain, that villain is mine, okay? All the way at the top. But although there's a lot of queer coding there, still not human and isn't depicted in a Mm -hmm. human way. And I think that's something that queer coding does is it absolutely takes 
humanity out of that person. And it provides fake queer representation because the per- it's, it's not actually queer. <laughs> the character's not queer. You're just pretending. And I think that that is a message that can come across really, really easily. And I think that's why it fits so well because if you can dehumanize queers in a way that makes them feel like they don't actually exist. So not only are these people pretending to be queer, which makes people think, okay, so anyone who is queer is pretending. You can be saved. We can pray it away. We can send you off to this camp and you'll come back a real person. Go in there and bring that human back. No, no, no. Stay where you are and be gay. (laughs) Stay put, be queer. I just, in the wintertime, want to be able to snuggle up with a blanket, a hot chocolate, with peppermint vodka in it and watch really sappy Hallmark movies and it feature two women that are like the romantic interest, two men that are the romantic interest. Show me a interracial couple who is the romantic interest. I would love that. I'd love to see a polyam triad that isn't completely bonkers that is just wanted to be normalized like these these are actual people too i'm doing i'm sitting here doing people things i'm a people there are plenty of people that are also attracted to cartoon characters mine happens to be hades and i'm not going to apologize for that i am who i do am. not get me started down that who's your cartoon character road of like <laughs> give me one of what of what fictional character give me one of them am i do i have crushes on mm-hmm. it's it's so cartoon it's so character cartoon characters oh gosh thank goodness for give me a cartoon character gonna have to to think about this so i have I have Legend of Korra on my mind just because I had referenced it. So um, Asami from there, but also Lin Beifong. Like I'm, I'm definitely going for like a silver fox of a woman here. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's represented in that. Growing up, did I have? Speaking of porn. Because from this side, it just sounds like... (laughs) It's my cat using the litter box. (laughs) We're going to have to not talk for a second. (laughs) No, that's fine. Just bring it full circle to kink and let me tell you that excuse me you you use the word climax i would just like to say in one of your sentences (laughs) and i was a big girl and didn't point it out until right now (laughs) i'm trying to think i'm trying to think of any movies that i've seen recently where any of the characters i was like oh yes and i feel almost ashamed to say I don't think so what am I doing with my life I've been watching a lot of horror movies not even horror but like thrillers so like in the tall grass love it playing with time but like nothing nothing queers there older women though so here's the thing we didn't talk about it it was cut from last episode but I'm gonna bring it back up because you opened the door to older people boom 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 so I agree. 
older older women lovely lovely but that's something that I've had in my brain since forever there's something about I feel like I've always had something for people Mm -hmm. in like their 30s 40s always because even when I was way too young I was still like oh there's gonna be a day there's gonna be a day where I'm no longer 16 and you're no longer 40 yeah and this isn't gonna be as weird but (laughs) even now that I'm 30 I'm like hmm in your 50s huh that's cute I like it there's I think part of it is the magic that happens when women reach a certain age and they go I'm fucking tired of being quiet I'm tired of wearing what I'm supposed to wear. I'm tired of doing the things that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be my own independent person. And then you look at that and part of it is like more of a squish than a crush. Cause you're like, yeah, I also want that in my life. And so I want you to be in my life. But then part of it is, and you are damn attractive. Wow. Like yeah. not only are you, do I look at you and think like, wow. Well, I mean, cause most queer women have this problem. Mm. do I want to be you or do I want to be with you? Do I want your haircut or do I think it looks hot on you? Do I want your pants or do I want you out of them? It's very confusing. So hard. But with older, there's some sort of power that older women have. For, I mean, for, just, for me, older people, always, 100%. Everyone shall remain nameless, but you know who I'm talking about. And this individual... Ah, for so many years, so many years. Again, like silver foxes, I have always just found incredibly attractive. And part of that is just like a deep seated hope that I look good once I go gray and I would be happy to go gray in my 30s, 40s, whatever. Let's do it early instead. Sounds great. The other part of it is, yeah, as you were saying, there's a certain sense of self that comes after this years of existence and this kind of rebellion against how folks are supposed to act, that it's just this different level of self-identity and kind of like rock solid foundation that they're like, yep, this is me. Take it or leave it. Miranda Priestley is also one of those silver foxes that I'm like, amazing. Yeah, I think she should have gotten together with Andy. Yeah, so that's just, those are my feelings. Some other series and whatnot, um, other personal crushes of mine include Irene Adler from the Sherlock series, especially the BBC version. Also, Captain America. I don't particularly care for Captain America himself, but Peggy Carter as part of that series, amazing. Love it. You'll notice both of those women have like dark hair and red lips. Mm -hmm. Great combo. Then otherwise, I guess we're circling back around to Harry Potter land as well. Minerva McGonagall was a big big crush of mine and just want to state I love Maggie Smith to death. But McGonagall in the series, her age was never defined as quite that old as 
Maggie was when the movies were being recorded. So like I'm bringing her back to around like a 50s or at least appears to be 50 because witches and wizards age differently. So mm-hmm. those are mine. I feel like I've been really bad about consuming pop culture recently. And that's not tooting my own horn. That's me saying I got to get my head out of the damn sand. I will say for me, Kate Siegel. I first came to know who she was from um, Haunting of Hill House. It was that Netflix series that came out. And she, she played a queer woman there. And she's one of those people for me, I don't know whether I want to be her or whether I'd be like, oh, wow. Because I think her character is someone in that series that I just loved incredibly. I also saw a lot of myself in that person, which again is why I'm like, do I want to be with you or do I want to be you? I did not know that name. I had to Google her. She's amazingly gorgeous. And I feel we're now stepping into a very niche world of women that I think are actually really attractive that I would love to see in movies but they just happen to be in a majority of horror or thriller-related films, and I do not touch that shit with a 100-foot pole at all, not willing to talk about it. She seems like one of these people. You know who is also one of these people? Sarah Paulson, and I wish I could watch more of her stuff. I literally just can't because I just don't do horror. It's not on the table for me. So when Ocean's 8 came out, I also ate that up because one of my partner's crushes is Sandra Bullock. Uh, One of my crushes is Kate Blanchett and also Sarah Paulson. So it was just amazing to kind of watch and consume. She's incredible. I mean, she's gorgeous, but the characters that she plays, she digs so deep into them. She's, She's incredible. It made me so happy to see in real life a split age queer couple that's like happy it made it just made me really happy i was like oh look at that one time at work i was talking with some of my coworkers, and we were talking about the Oscars, I think. And this coworker made a comment about how it was really cute that Sarah Paulson was there with her mom. And I went, oh no. I just started like smiling immediately. And I'm like, I get to crush this person's morning with queerness. This is amazing. And I was like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Their partner. They are dating. They are in a relationship. They are a couple. This is not a family relation. How did that go? It was a moment of kind of like pause and wonder. And ah, she's like, well, I can obviously tell that they were close. And I guess because of the age difference, I kind of just assumed that it was her mother. But then it was just like a whoa, mind blown type moment. Mm-hmm. It's fun to do that. It's fun. Yeah. 
Oh, it, I, it genuinely it, is. It, it really, it really is because again, it circles back to that idea of like, we are going to normalize queerness. Like it is out there in the world. You are just not aware of it, but it legitimately is just everywhere. See, see how normal it is. But that's, that's been happening in history. Oh, look at this friendship kiss between two men. It was quite common in Massachusetts at this time to provide your partners in friendship with a slight kiss with hellos and goodbye. No, they were gay. Gay. It's true. They were gay, and that's just the way that it is. And it's been happening for forever the the misunderstanding of people being queer i want to circle back to the misconception that my coworker had about sarah paulson and holland taylor and thinking they were mm-hmm. mother daughter instead of actual like girlfriend girlfriend let's say why is that so common why would people think that a same-sex couple is sisters or cousins or brothers or whatever it is besides it. I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard that with my current partner and I. It happened just this past weekend. We went to go get tested for COVID because hashtag responsible adults. And at just kind of like joking around and talking and interacting. And I don't understand why people also feel the need to ask, oh, are you sisters? I feel like that, I feel like actual sisters don't get that question. I don't know. I'm an only child. As someone who has siblings, <laughs> can you tell me, is the, do siblings get that question normally? Or is that, or is this just them like putting out feelers to be, oh, I think they might be queer, but oh, I don't want to offend them by saying that first. So let me throw out, oh, are you sisters? My older sister and I get that you all the do. time. Okay. My little sister and I get that all the time. My brother and I, if people aren't sure. So you're, she's your sister? Yes, she's my sister. So yes, I do get that question a lot with my siblings. The, you know, are you, are you, are you, are you sisters? Are you, is that your brother? Is that, so I do get that question when I'm with them. But I think that once people aren't used to people being queer. So once they pass the, no, she's not my sister. They're stumped. They don't know what else to do. (laughs) I will say, though, any queer person should take this how they will, but we all know that it's true, especially if you look at current or past partners. There's absolutely a thing, especially I've noticed queer women. The lesbian urge to merge does happen with the way that people look. Absolutely. Similar haircuts. Suddenly your styles just change a little bit and it's incredible. So I think that part of it comes down to going back to cartoons. You knew two people were together because they looked identical. They had the same Mm. color hair. They wore the same color clothes. They looked pretty similar. And so I think that coming up with that, you're like, okay, so that's how you have a family. Everybody looks the same. And then you grow up 
and you start looking around and you see people that don't look the same with one another and you're like, ah, I assume because you're have these, you're related like siblings. And then once it's like a no, you're like, I don't understand how you could be family and not look alike, which is exclusionary of massive groups of people. But I think that that's where things stop. I think that it's ingrained in us so much in childhood that like things that look alike go together and that's it. The, I, I, we, so we do get that question, but I also think it does come back to the fact that sometimes lesbians just look like one another. Women look like one another when they're in a relationship. Not all the time. It's not always true. But sometimes that urge to merge does come through in how people present themselves. You will hear no further comment from me. Um, that at the moment as someone who has been guilty of it um, (laughs) and that's why right now I don't even look human because I'm not in a relationship I'm barely in a relationship with myself the urge to merge with oneness, the void urge to merge with the void that's me when you were talking about the void has asked me to stop looking at it you look into the void and the void also looks into you the void's like stop i no longer wish to be perceived i think we should see other people (laughs) (laughs) i'm crying that's a good one thank you (laughs) i think there are a lot of things that we do to pinpoint there's a lot of language that we use and a lot of questions that we ask when we're getting to know people um, that kind of give them A, B options, force them into this, you know, are, are you a man or a woman? Are you, are you the one who earns the money or the one who spends the money? Are you the one who shops at Target or shops at Home Depot? And I feel like, when you ask those questions, one, you're cutting off an entire ability to be able to relate to another human being regardless of who they are. But I think you're also cutting off a huge part of, I lost my fucking train of thought. What am I saying here, Catherine? I'm saying that when you give people two options, you're not allowing people to tell you who they really are. And that's- Gender. Let's abolish it. It, it is. <laughs> um, gender, gender abolition. Oh. I mean, um, I can't wait for the day that I am wearing a ring on my ring finger on my left hand and all the comments are going to be about, oh, how is your husband doing? Or, oh, what's your husband's name? Or, oh, your husband, he must be so lucky. Can't wait for it so that I can just whip out and be like, well, actually, my wife. And it would just be great if you could say spouse instead. As we have discussed before, house spouse is a great, lovely little term. I'm actually really pumped about this topic because gender abolition is something that I think is important for conversation but I have a tough time because I'm worried that in me wanting, in my desire to push for more inclusive, 
open ways of discussing one person or multiple people or myself that for people who are trans that I am erasing their struggle. Yeah. Because I I don't think about my gender. I my body looks the way that it does and I assume I'm fine with it because I'm lazy. <laughs> so I haven't fought with my gender. But for people that do, I'm always worried that if I'm looking to be as open or as vague as possible that I'm either co-opting someone else's struggle or erasing someone else's struggle. And I don't know what to do with that. I don't, I don't know what to do other than to, again, read more, find more media, listen to people who are trans who are talking about whether or not they think gender abolition is a thing that's good, bad, indifferent, they don't care, has nothing to do with them. I don't know. I just think that if we're going to talk about gender abolition, it'd be really important for us to talk about people who are in marginalized gender groups anyway. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that information, but I have it in my brain. I have this question. And I don't know what to do, but to continue to ask it and use Google. <laughs> that's, that's my hope. I do. I would prefer... And it's the same thing we talked about in last episode. In some cases, I want so badly to be able to say as much as I can with as few words as possible. My date mate, my house spouse. You don't need to know anything about their gender. You just need to know that at this current time, this is my partner. And then also there are some times where recently if I'm dating someone, I'm like, no, that's my girlfriend. My girlfriend. And I want to say that because she's my girlfriend because I'm queer and I feel good about it. And I want to use this language because I want to hit head on the idea that this might make some people uncomfortable, but I'm queer and I'm here and I might cry, but probably in private. Just kidding. I'm still emotionally constipated. I also oscillate between those, those two kind of extremes personally. There are times where I'm like, no, I just want this to be this mysterious entity and this is my being and this is my partner versus like, no, I'm going to slap a label on it and say like my girlfriend instead. And you look at me and you think I identify as a woman, which I do. And then yes, you're going to sit with that. And I'm going to make it very obvious and I'm going to make you uncomfortable with it. Another bone that I have to pick related to that is also, even though me as a woman, female, will say, hey, this is my girlfriend and yeah, we're going out this Friday evening. I really hate the fact that I'm going to say it's usually for older generations, use the term Women will use the term girlfriends to refer to female friends and just assume I'm going out with my friend. No, I'm making it queer. And my response back, <laughs> let me queer this space. Everyone that does that is, oh, so all of your guy friends, do you call them your boyfriends? Oh, no, you don't. Why? 
Why don't you do that? Because you think it would never be a possibility that a woman could date another woman? Oh, that thought has just never occurred to you or how just exclusionary that is or the amount of times in my life that I've also heard my partner referred to as my friend. Yeah, of course they are my friend, but no, you do not call them my friend unless you're okay with me calling your husband your friend. Then okay, then we're on the same term and the same. We're speaking the same language now. So no, do not discredit me in my relationship in that way because you're uncomfortable using queer words. That's right. And it's not her friend. It's her roommate. Oh, gosh. And they were roommates. (laughs) (laughs) That is a trope that... I have always loved. No, you know, my Aunt Margie and Aunt Elf Ethel, they just, they're roommates. Really? And when you visited, how many bedrooms were there? Just the one, huh? Just the one? <laughs> it's just one of those things that, again, the, the whole sort of mental block that comes into some people's brains of, there's no, I don't understand. If, if they're not, if they say they're roommates and there's only one room with one bed, I don't understand. Has someone been sleeping on the couch for all these years? Like they will jump through all of these hoops just to miss the point. An amazing invention that I didn't know about growing up, but the fact that there could be two houses or I guess a little bit more maybe condo-like in the style and it would uh, two couples would get married man woman man woman but then they would have a secret tunnel underneath so then it would just be the actual couples could go and get together and that way if they ever needed Mm -hmm. to they could just like run back uh, downstairs and like switch and be in the right house I'm sorry but the correct house that the people thought they belonged to um Mm -hmm. at a moment's notice and i was like brilliant amazing well done modern problems require modern solutions and that was one of them i think that would still be useful in a lot of different places and i think that i mean a lot of different places that's something that it's not safe everywhere to be out and about. And I think that that is also what contributes to people not wanting to assume that people are a couple is what if they out you? And I don't know if that's always the concern. I'm not going to say that that's the forefront of their brain. Like, will I cause more harm by asking if they're partners? But I think it has more to do with, are they going to be offended if I think they're gay? That's what it is. Because everybody thinks gays are villains. Everybody thinks gays are villains. So because we grew up with that, people are going to say like, no, I'm not gay. I'm not a villain. I'm a good guy. You made that exact point is, I guess, saying that your sisters is much safer than saying, are you girlfriends? Or saying, are you brothers much safer than saying, are you boyfriends? Because, oh my gosh, what if I call you gay and you're not? You are then going to be insulted. Because we still view it as a bad thing. 
how dare you assume that I am a queer. You should be flattered. <laughs> Sorry. You should be flattered that I thought you were a part of my community. Outside of religion, which is a conversation that is a whole other podcast for you and I to have. I don't know of a reason out. I don't know of a reason to hate queerness outside of cults or religions. It doesn't make sense to me. It does not make sense to me. It's, there's a movie that I love. So when I'm having conversations like this, a movie that comes to mind is The Family Stone. It's the sad-ass Christmas movie. But in the movie, there's a family sitting around a dining table talking, and Diane Keaton's character is joking about how, you know, she 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 wishes that all of her all of her sons have been gay because then they never would have left her. She's joking about it. And it's like a family thing where you can poke fun at things. It's a safe group. And Sarah Jessica Parker's character being a new addition to the family. She's like, you, you didn't actually, you didn't wish that for them. Did you? I mean, not to be cruel. It's just, you know, I just, you, you wouldn't want to make them their lives any harder. It's hard enough. And the, it just starts, everything starts devolving. Craig Nelson loses his goddamn mind. Um, you have Diane Keaton also coming in glued. Luke Wilson, who's in it, typically a funny guy. He doesn't lose it in that setting, but he's definitely just not thrilled about it at all. And then the son who is gay played by tyrone i think it's giordano he just feels dismissed because again here is this this new person coming into the family having trying to have this conversation where tyrone giordano's character knows that his mother is joking but Sarah Jessica Parker's character can't get it in her mind that there's nothing wrong with being gay. And that's why this is a funny joke because they're poking fun at this idea that the, the small gay boys want to be around their mothers and only play with them. You know, that whole trope, the idea that they're feminine, that, you know, they would never fly the coop. All of these things are just tropes that are constantly pushed out. And so to see that in one character and especially in a movie that's about family coming together. Um, that was something that really stuck out to me. And that's something that I love talking about in these conversations because people still think that gay is a bad thing. If not, it's just, it's a thing that exists. If anything, if we look at the history of good and bad, I, I think we would find that there were more straight people than queer people causing harm. I don't have stats on that, but I'm gonna say it with half of my chest. Straight people are dangerous. Watch out for the breeders. My favorite, my favorite thing related to that is, oh, we, we can't have two men raising a child because that child will then just grow up to be gay. Oh, really? I'm sorry. And a new parent of these gay men that are now getting married, are, are, you, are you straight? Okay, so you're straight and you made a gay. Hmm. 
interesting how that how that happens. Or also, oh, these two men can't raise a child because what if it's a daughter and then the daughter will never have any example of what, what a woman should be like or a mother for reference. So you're saying that gender is actually performative? And so you're saying that you learn by mimicking and just doing, going along with it? Awesome. Good. Glad we're on the same page. Yes. Again, you face planted directly into the point and still don't. Still see. fell through it. In that same vein, it, it drives me nuts when people say something about that, specifically about the two men having a daughter. They're like, well, there are things that happen with women's bodies that men just won't understand. Right. And that's true. And I think it's important that if you're going to raise a daughter, whether you are doing it with another man, another woman, any other person, that you should learn. You should learn. You should learn. You should know that, I don't know, period blood and urine don't come out of the same hole. Maybe you should know that. Maybe you should know that if you're going to raise a, da- a daughter. Or more blatantly, if you're going to have someone that's a kiddo of yours and they have a uterus, learn things about it so you can teach them and they know what to say and they know what questions to ask. And also you can teach them how to find trusted adults. I'm not going to say that, you know, lesbians only hang out with other lesbians. Lesbians a lot of time hang out with other lesbians, but not to not exclusively. It's not as though anyone's going to raise a kiddo without seeing other types of people. And the people that do raise their kids not seeing other types of people tend to be white, straight, cis people. It's exactly what it is. They raise kiddos in this homogenous arena of, you know, this is... This is how you look. This is how you act. This is what we do. And then all of a sudden they're surprised when someone is different and it's not celebrated. It's pushed down. It's shushed. It's tossed away. I think the moral of that story was Diane Keaton's on my list. I think I think we're there, Catherine. I think it's time that we I think it's time that we allow our listeners to venture back into reality out of the land of unsensational. You can find us if you desire. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all at unsensationaljk. You can email us at unsensationalpodcast at gmail.com you can hang out with us at our website unsensationalpodcast.com hit that contact button and you can let us know what you want us to talk about send us a topic suggestion um we promise it'll still be unsensational <laughs>